Roll that bad boy. Hot damn. Hello and welcome to another episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. Guys, I'm with the Forgotten Four today and they're going to introduce themselves as we go around the table before we start today's adventure. They're going to give us our name, their class, their race. And uh, today you're going to be telling us one thing that your character would do at a party. And uh, that is my name, Gorgonbord the Buckler. I'm a half-orc, I'm barbarian. The thing that I would do at a party is we don't have it I uh, don't do it as much here in Australia, but I would go and do those uh, things where you do a handstand on the keg and you drink a keg or however the, I don't know how to do it. Baron Barnabas, a Goliath fighter, and at a party, you might be inclined to stand in the corner and just stare across looking imposingly. You'd be, be drinking the whole time, so, you know, make some people uncomfortable, but only you're into that. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and next up we have Morvan. My name is Morvan Orthranus. Uh, I'm a high elf wizard. Now, uh, what he would do at a party, probably just go up to random people and have very intense conversations about magic and then just walk off without <laughs> waiting for a response. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be the life of it. <laughs> Going over to Rengar. Uh, Rengar the Moonlit, a high elf ranger rogue. I would say Rengar would probably find the closest beer pong table with a glass of fine scotch whiskey in his hand and whatever the hell is in the cups and just... Be fucking scoring hoops, mate. Dunking it, baby. Dunking it. You guys would be fun at a party. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, Last time we left off, you guys were continuing your journey across the dry expanse in order to find the archaic to try and figure out what Delnak's plan is and how to defeat the vile creature and stop him from smashing the world, basically. Uh, When we left off, you guys had made your way to Rostodon, a tabaxi settlement that had uh, various different flying machine sort of technologies and you met a man called Message in the Stars who wrote and drew the map that you had currently been using to navigate. You got some information and found that the place that you were looking for was in the spine and in doing so you guys took a rest for the night in the red candle after Morvan had a very intense conversation with this old tabaxi revealing that he was in fact generations old and Morvan relinquished an artifact that he'd been carrying for a very long time at the instruction of Message in the Stars. How are you feeling about that, Morvan? I feel like wisdom was given and I took the advice. We cut in on the night sky of Rostodon. You guys can see the stars speckled through the sky and there's not much industrial light in this settlement so the stars are actually quite bright and luminous. You can see the small whiffs of sand being blown on the breeze and you constantly hear the churning of that sand below, remembering the massive waves that were being driven by the worms below the surface. You look to the three spires of Rostodon, and we zoom in to the house, or palace rather, of Message in the Stars. It's glass roof actually allowing the star and moonlight to permeate through his residence. You see him facing away from the entryway, looking out the window that he had just held Morvan outside of. As his back is turned, Morvan leaves, sobbing into his ropes. <laughs> As you leave, Morvan, where would you be going? Uh, Morvan would be thinking over what happened. Um, probably agreeing that, that was a good course of action to relinquish the orb. Because he knew that there were different layers to it that he couldn't quite penetrate. So 
he didn't really think of the negative connotations that could be linked to it. He was more thinking of what he could learn. So that realization is probably sort of nodding to himself. Actually, yeah, I missed that one. Uh, he'd be heading back to uh, regroup and get some rest. Uh, he needs his long rest. All right, so you begin walking towards the red candle the way that you had previously came. And as you get there, you find out from the half-orc bartender that rooms had been paid for you by Braxton. And you make your way up the stairs. You open the creaky wooden door. And in the middle of the room, you can see a table and a bed beyond. You put your things down and lay down for a rest. As you do, and sleep finds you, your vision is flashed with green orbs of light moving across the underside of your eyelids. These flashes become more violent and you hear the gravelly voice of a familiar outcast. Words that are not quite legible, but eventually they become clearer and clearer. You look down to your hands in this dreamlike state. You can see one of them golden. You can see the fingers gnarled and the nails grossly decayed on his other good hand. As he looks to them, you can see that there is a magical energy emanating from in between them. You can see this small white sphere with galaxy-like emanations moving throughout it. You can see him uttering a spell, or you uttering a spell. As this energy emanates through your hands, you get this white flash and you're racked with hot pain. As you do, you watch as that galaxy-like orb explodes in a flash of stars that just seem to twinkle out one after the other. As your vision comes back, you look down at the slate in front of you where this ritual was taking place. You get a sense of happiness, overwhelming happiness and ambition. Because when you look down on that table, residing there after the flash had dissipated is a book. The Spirit Bound Tome. He watches your hands reach down towards it and pick it up. He watches, he opens it and flicks the pages across. He turns around and in the darkness, moving outward, you hear footsteps. And from your own mouth, you hear the words say, Come. We must gather the others. It's time for a new world order. And at that, you watch as this small halfling individual turns and leaves the room. Your dream goes on through the night, restless in your sleep. As we cut to Rengar, what would you be doing? During the evening's antics in the bar, uh, Rengar has had a conversation with Braxton with regards to the other piece of the puzzle, so to speak, as his uh, father had gifted both sons with a part of a broken blade. Braxton seemingly doesn't really have much use for it, apart from it being an heirloom. Uh, Rengar seems to believe that there's more to these pieces than maybe just just that heirloom, and he he would want to take leave and and go and have a chat with Message in the Stars about this. You remove the blade from your pack. You move toward Braxton, who's asleep on the bed opposite you. 
you go into his pack and find the broken blade that he has wrapped in this cloth. You can see he hasn't really taken care of it as much as you would have yours, but it's still in good condition all the same. As you pick it up, he grumbles in his sleep. He turns and he sees you as he awakens and he says, What are you doing, brother? Going for a nightly walk? Living up to that moonlit name? Yes, well, I feel there's more to these pieces than just what our fathers left us. His memory still lives. I really need to go and see Message in the Stars and see if there's more to these items. Fair enough. Do you mind if I take it? I was going to anyway. By all means. Take it if you need to. He watches he's like blurry in his sleepy state. And he rolls immediately back over. The sort of lack of care in his attitude towards that blade is like it bars you up a little bit. And he's just like, yeah, take it. I don't give a shit. But yeah, you stand there with these two pieces or these two hilts with the broken blades of each in your hands. As he turns to, to rest, I, I say, rest up, little brother. You'll need your strength, and I'll exit the door uh, very quietly and make my way. As you do that and you look at these swords before you put them away, do you want to describe what these blades look like for us? They're of an elven sort of nature, um, very ornate. One is the sort of the handle of the blade, and the other is a, a partial fragment, more so like the tip. It's got that sort of generic curve to it as the elven style is you know very very fancy uh manufacture and they're not overly large pieces more of think halfway between a long sword and a short sword still sharp the bladed piece and the handle is sort of intricately woven with a lot of curved features to it quite pretty to look at and also would serve you you would guess as a bit of a, a knocking tool the opposite end of the blade so the pommel's ornately done um, and it has a, a shape similar to Rengar's ornament that he holds uh, of a crescent moon denoting the, the moon elf. All right. As you look at that and you go out into the streets of Rossadon, you can see that most of the residents are asleep. You see the odd person walking from here to there, conversing with another in a happy way as well. There isn't like an underbelly or an undertone of darkness to this city that you can see, at least off of first glance. You make your way to where Message in the Stars was, in his palace, and you can see the stone white building ahead of you. Do you enter? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, do I notice any other passage into the home apart from... Roll a perception check. Uh, that's a 12. Uh, you can see that there are two high windows on the front wall, probably do lead into the main lobby as well. But you haven't really checked out the back and sides of this building to know if there's anything else in the architecture. From being in the room with a message in the stars before, you do know that there is a massive window at the back that leads out onto a cliff face. I will just rat on the door. Is there a is there light still emanating from yep. this? Yeah. There's always light in this area. You can see that starlight and moonlight seems to be amplified through the roof and there's this white glow throughout the whole space. You go inside having been no answer to the door. And as you enter, you can hear this humming of an essence, like a magical energy, like a crackle almost, or a charge. As you walk through to the cushioned area where you'd first met Message in the Stars, you can see sitting probably three or so feet above the floor, the cross-legged figure, this tabaxi hands rested calmly in his lap. As you enter, he opens one eye. He floats down gracefully and touches the floor. He looks at you. 
cocks a head as a ha- cat does. Any gestures for the seat? Uh, Rengar doesn't say anything, he just takes a seat. What brings you to my abode? Rango the Moonlit, I sense the curiosity in your mind after our last conversation. I have a few more questions. I know it's late in the evening. I wouldn't mind um, getting you to have a look over this. And I present the artifacts and lay them down close to him. These were gifted to me and my brother from my late father, whom you may know. I just have this feeling that there's something about these that is more than just a family heirloom. I was wondering if you and your infinite wisdom can ascertain whether there is a larger purpose to these. He looks down at them and you can see him delicately unfurling them from the cloth you keep them in. He says, These are indeed well made. I don't know anything about them though, I'm, I'm very sorry. Do you perhaps know anyone that would? Unfortunately, I'm not much of a craftsman. I don't know anybody in this town that is. Not really our trade. Roll an inside check. 17. He is stonewalling you hard. Mm. You can see this guy's been around the block and you know that he knows something more than he's letting on. And he's shutting your every question down with a sort of response of not knowing. I sort of lean back in the chair, sort of pierce his gaze and just stare straight into his eyes. And I, I say to him, it's very important that I understand more about these. There's a war to be had and I need to be well equipped. What side of that war are you on, Ringo? I'm on the side that partially redemption for myself, but also on the side that uh, the greater good should prevail. I don't believe that, that Delnak is, is the greater good, and I don't believe his methodologies are aligned with that. He stands up and moves slowly towards you. And he gets about a foot away. He looks you directly into the eyes, and you can see him almost invading your personal space in a way he goes and sits back down and he says I believe you I believe your ambition is true although perhaps you are ignorant to some of the nuances that may be involved your heart is in the right place at least and if nothing else your personal investment for your own pride and ambition it is a good drive Honouring one's family. That is a better one. This blade, one of the artefacts of virtue. Are you familiar with those? Yeah, enlighten me. During the Great God's War, the Lady Nekestis, God of the Forge, created a vast amount of armaments for the champions of the gods. She gifted one to Idris. She gifted one to Orban, to Mardol, to Gorsi himself, to Sorshin. All nine were granted a virtue of their own, which they then passed on to a champion, and that champion passed on to somebody who they thought worthy either upon their death or when they deemed it so. This blade is a relic of a time gone by. If your father did indeed own it, That says a lot about the man he was. From this particular blade, I know a little of its history. It has been broken for many years. I believe it would have been broken when your father received it. 
It was broken in one of the great battles in the Great God's War, in the deliverance of Hope's Fire. That was when Promodon wielded it, and he was a champion of Gorsi. Roll a religion check. 18. You don't really pay much mind to the gods of the Empire and the names that they give them, but one that you had is Gorsi, because he's the, the god of mischief and shadow. There's a lot of stories that sort of denote whether he should be trusted or can be trusted, but he's still one of the nine mages in the Pantheon. Message in the Stars goes on to say, Promodon was gifted this blade and the uncanny ability to blend with the shadow, for he had a mission. He was to ignite Hope's fire in the armies of the champions. Hopes of a fire. Is there a greater meaning to that, or is it just more of like a burning desire for the, the soldiers? Some say Hope's fire was an artifact. Hope's fire was inspiration incarnate. Promodon delivered that to humankind. It is because of him and because of Gorsi that it is believed that humans have the ingenuity and creativity they have today. Their ability to adapt in battle, their ability to create great pieces of artwork to problems. A quality that an army vastly needs when facing the hordes of darkness. However, in doing this great feat, Promodon was eternally bound, captured in torches, and some people say that that is where he remains today. Tortured by the hordes of darkness to be picked upon until destruction. But in his sacrifice, he delivered Hope's fire and that blade to be passed down the generations until eventually it found you. Is there any means of mending? An artifact of virtue needs to be mended in a godly forge or by a master craftsman of Nekestis themselves. They need to be well-versed, blessed in her teachings. The only godly forge that I know is on Mount Pius. And where, where is Mount Pius in relation to where we are currently? It's in the Cradle of Life, an island to the southwest in the Bay of Fathoms. This ancient forge is a temple to those in Nekestis. It is one of the holiest places in her pantheon. This would take some time to get there. Indeed. Another option you may have is finding a master, master craftsman here on the mainland. I believe one of your friends may have encountered them before. Judging by the weapon he wielded. And if he's still around. They are elusive. It seemed to me that your friend did not have any awareness of who or what they had come upon when they did. And to be fair, he didn't quite say that he was a master craftsman. He did say he was a good craftsman. When we met him at the time, we didn't probe too deep into what that meant. We've heard from other blacksmiths and that when we've taken our weaponry in it was notable um indeed he was I do not know his name per se but if you have or know a means of finding him or any of his students they may be able to help you you wouldn't happen to be able to peer into him would you by a chance to see if we can find where he resides you're asking me to invade somebody's privacy Rengar perhaps that virtue and Moral value that I saw in you is misplaced. Mm, I think it's not misplaced. For the greater good. Yes, but what would you do for the greater good? What would you give up for the greater good? For sacrifice is one thing. But some sacrifices aren't 
sacrifices, they're more bending the will of others to get what you want. I think there's a thin line between what's necessary and what you see as being an invasion of sorts in this instance and in overall. My my virtue is that I'm true to my cause and my cause is to rid this world of Dalnak. The disregard for what could happen with his demise and what could arise after that in my eyes would be dealt with at the time but immediately he is the problem and is an infestation on this world I am I'm very glad to hear that Rengar for that alleviates some guilt that I feel in this instance with regards to what I'd give well I'd give my life that is that is my will what I was born for it's what that I, of your friends companions I'd do all that I could to avoid that for them but for me it's of ill consequence if I can would you do what is necessary if you need to do what's necessary well in this instance you don't have to because I've done it for you do tell what what are you referring to I hope one day you can forgive me Ringo I feel like your ambition, your quest is true, but those that you walk with, they flirt with the line of darkness to a point where they cannot be trusted on a quest like this. They are a poison and an infestation. I have managed that for you. Are you referring to my elvish friend? Your late elvish friend. Late. By the morning, you will be a party of three. At this, Renga stands me. How do you mean? What is this? Where is this magic come from? I did what? what was necessary. I will do what is necessary, as you will. You've told me this. Nothing can stand in the way of the greater good. How do we reverse this? We need this. An ally of Delnak cannot live. There are so many similarities that I see in your Avish companion and the student that he was long ago. We must take care of him before it's too late. Before he rises, before he becomes an ally. What if I can guarantee this will never happen? You cannot. It is already too late. Tell me what you did, exactly what you did. He walks away from you, sits down and he says, It is done. I'm sorry. I, Ranga's just got a million thoughts running through his head and he just, it's not, it's not what you think it is. There's, there's got to be more to this. There's, it's not, there's good in him. There's not all, all bad. There's, this needs to be sorted. This needs to be fixed. He's scrambling. He's... It is already too late. I need time. You need to give me more time. I've already sent the word. I'll be dead by morning. You've sent the word. He just nods. At that, Rengar scrambles with his gear. He pulls his stuff together. And he exits immediately. 
blades drawn and runs towards the red red candle in. As you begin running through the night, we will cut to the red candle in. During the night time, Morvan, you're tossing and turning in your sleep. Roll a perception check with disadvantage. Eleven. As you toss and turn, you feel the cold sweat. You hear a floorboard creak, but you roll back over asleep. That's a lot of dice rolls. <laughs> in the night, Morvan, in the middle of your chest, it gets hard to breathe. You feel this pierce. The breath is taken from your lungs. And as you awaken, you see this hooded figure standing above you, a blade embedded into your chest, hilt deep. You look down and you can see a clawed hand on it and you can see a black robe emanating on this person's figure. You need to roll a constitution save for me. That is a fail. You take 42 points, 22 of piercing, the rest of poison. At that point, you have one thing that you can do as you begin to slip into unconsciousness. What would you do? You look around and you can see these yellow eyes looking at you. And as they put this blade into your chest, you feel them lurch down onto it and you watch as they're about to twist. Do I want a fireball or descending? As you look underneath the door in your last moments of of being conscious, you can see the candlelit light. There's an evocation where the fucking of course he would fireball. <laughs> this is juicy. <laughs> I hope this heats up. Uh, good one. Uh, by the way, that's a 20 foot radius. He gets a 14. 16 he needs. He takes full damage. Oh, hit him! <laughs> Roll that bad boy. Hot damn! 32. And oh, that's bigger. And uh, obviously with uh, scoping, he would have always tried to protect himself. As this happens, Morvan, you look up, you see these yellow eyes and you feel your hands beginning to heat up as the pain in your chest surges through your whole body. You feel this wave as this poison just seeps through all of the veins in your entire form. You can see these black ichor just moving through your veins and illuminating your face with this color. You extend your hands as best that you can and as you do, you push directly in front of your assailant and your hands just heat up. All this heat from your body moves down your arms and into this force and you watch as it just explodes. You feel the heat, you feel the disintegration, you shield yourself from it as this waving torrent of fire surrounds you in your room, blinding you from anything else that seems to be happening in this area. As that happens and this waving fire moves around, the heat encompassing you, you slip into an unconscious state. Heard perfectly and audibly by Gorgonbord and Baron Barnabas, in the middle of your sleep, you immediately awake and look outside and from underneath your door you can see a raging flame of fire that comes halfway into your room and surges and burns half of the curtains on your walls you stand bolt upright you get your equipment i'll run towards the uh that must be from all room let's go yep grab my warhammer and literally just shoulder barge break the door and break into his door as you barge through the door you watch as it splinters immediately you're filled into this whole room with massive smoke piles and you can see fire emanating from morvan's room the door frame completely blasted away, the wall completely blasted away, and you can see the outskirts of the city beyond. You can see on the bed a form lying there, motionless, and next to him, this tattered, burnt figure. You see this tail sort of whip around, and you know it to be a tabaxi sort of form, and in Morvan's chest, a dagger, a blade, curved. Morvan is still. You watch as this figure looks towards you, these yellow eyes piercing at you from beyond its hood, and at that stage... Baron Barnabas, you exit out of your door, look at um, Gorgon Bort, 
and see the same picture. Just thinking, do I want to be a monk next? Another <laughs> <laughs> <love> monk. <laughs> Let's see if I die first. Looking at this scene, half of the building blazing, you watch as the far wall in Mor- Morvan's room is non-existent. These splinters begin to fall down and this cloud of ash just emanates through the room. Barnabas and also Gorgonbord begin running down the hallway, sliding to a stop, seeing this scene in its entirety. Morvan, I need you to roll your first death save, please. Oof, two. That's lucky it's not a one. You lose one death save. Uh, Rengai, as you begin running through the city streets, you turn one of the last corners and you can see the actual spire and you can see the red candle ahead of you. It's still quite a ways away. And then suddenly out of nowhere, you see and hear this massive explosion just burst out of the side of the building. Well, obviously I will just be dashing at this stage. What level is the fire? Is it a single story building or double story building? Uh, This is coming from the upstairs portion. Okay. The lower portion of the building seems to be a lot larger than the upstairs. It seems to house about 10 or so rooms up the top. I would say Rengar would be looking to go around the back where he saw the explosion through the fucking outside of the building to try and get up that way. So I'd be trying to come up behind at the blown out portion of the room. But you're just filled with this sense of dread, knowing what Message in the Stars told you and seeing that explosion. At the moment, you're not even sure if Morvan's alive. Yeah, yeah. Something bad's happening. In your unrested state, Gorgonbot, we come to your turn as you're just heaving with this hammer in your hands. What are you going to do? Barnabas will heal Morvan. I just need to get a hold of this cat. Again, just barge in as much as I can, swing, and I'll hit him if I can as well. Just uh, I want to grab him. Any rage? Oh, fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm raging. You use 30 feet of your movement to get up into melee range with this assassin. And as you move towards him, he withdraws the blade from Morvan and you hear this heave and this bubble as Morvan is just choking on his own blood. He turns to you and swipes the blade in your direction. You look towards Morvan and it looked like he was going for a second kill shot if you hadn't arrived and interrupted. I'm going to grapple him. All right, roll an athletics check. Fucking nat 20. Hey! Yes. Yeah, nice. Plus 5, 25. Alright, so he goes to dodge you and duck out of the way. He got a 12, so how do you catch this guy? How do you grapple him and hold him still? He's going to dodge He's gonna dodge out of the way, and I've kind of grabbed my uh, warhammer, hit him in the chest sort of thing, and slammed him up against the wall. I'm, I'm holding him like a chokehold, but with, a, with my weapon. Nice. And as you do, the flame and fire begins burning around you. I need you to roll a dexterity save. You get advantage because of your danger sense. Well, the first one's good. 14. Two points of fire damage as the flame mm-hmm. begins to erupt in this area and cause this whole place to be extremely hot. He's going to use his action to try and escape the grapple. So can you please roll an athletics check to maintain? You get advantage on athletics checks as a barbarian. So roll with advantage. Mm-hmm. 17. He uses his action. He attempts to push this hammer off just enough to get his chin out. And as he pushes the hammer off you just double down and just slam him back in against the wall you watch as the air escapes from his lungs and you watch as this tobacco the individual the fur starts to burn on his face as the fire just emanates around him you can see the hood has fallen off him now and he's this tabby looking cat with this plait that goes down one side have i seen him through walking to this uh candle do we do i recognize him roll a history check i'm feeling lucky 10 you he looks familiar to you but you can't place where he looks like key. No. <laughs> um, at that, we get to Barnabas's turn. I'll run towards Morvan and yep. use a potion. Do I know of anyone close by that would be a, a priest healer or... 
I would say not at the current moment. You know that Rango is there a has, temple or is there a um in this area you would have passed a temple looking structure. Yeah. Animate dead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should let him die. No. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just sort of would I know that a potion is likely to stabilize him? Is that, is that how you would, yeah. yeah. You've seen these work before. I'll I'll use a potion more than and with 30 feet of movement, you get to his bedside. You dodge through the flames as best that you can, uncork this potion and begin feeding it to Morvan. It's an action to do so, but he gets 2d4 plus 2 hit points back. You can roll them if you'd like to, Baron Barnabas. Seven. And you have a bonus action left. What would you like to do with you it? have a bonus action and action surge. So I think he's okay now. You look yeah. at him and as you feed him the potion, the liquid goes down into his lungs. You watch this red revitalizing energy move across his form. His wound heals. And you can see through his tunic, the, the actual open wound closes and you can see Morvan's bare skin. And as you look towards him, his eyes flicker open so you can see that he's probably okay. Described him as being black vein from the poison. Do I mm-hmm. think that's going to continue to affect him or? Probably not. You can see that it's probably ran its course through him. All right. That's a good and easy way to get rid of po- uh, poison. Mm. Go, on, go unconscious, come back on. So I think through the magic of, of healing potions, I think he's going to be okay and I'm going to deal with this bloody cat. You make your way over using Action Surge, slow walking, moving the glaive off of your back as it hits the floor with a thud. Dragging it. You can see that um, Gorgonbort has him pinned up and you watch as Gorgonbort looks over his shoulder and sees you there, he moves to the right to allow you space to attack this right. individual. More like an executioner's an move at the moment. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you get to roll uh, two attacks. So 14 and 16. The 16 hits, the 14 does not. That is a... A seven damage on a grappled target. <laughs> In my rage, I swing backside of my weapon back up as well and just hit him with a blunt sword. Okay. So as you do that, he will use uncanny dodge to halve the seven to three. More than you've just realized in consciousness, you look up and you can see as you look to your left, you're not sure how much time has passed. This fuzzy vision of your orcish companion and Baron Barnabas, these two bruises in your party is just bullying the guy that just bullied you, getting his lunch money. Um, at that you can see that he's pretty much neutralized as you just sort of come to in this smoky room and you can feel the fire moving around you Baron Barnabas can you roll a dexterity save for me Uh, 14 Uh, you take 3 points of fire damage Morvin you're up it's your turn I'm not feeling too friendly towards this guy so I guess I'm just gonna firebolt him 18 18 will hit roll your damage 9 9 points of damage nice you can see the fireball hit him and you guys look in between you as this ray of fire moves between your bodies, Gorgon Bort and Barnabas, and you can see Morvan just sitting upright on the bed, heaving but pointing a hand, steaming at this individual, looking worse for wear. We don't want to kill him. Don't don't we? Uh, hey, I'm down for killing him afterwards. We got to, we got to know some answers why he wanted to kill uh, old Morvan here. Also, as, where as the hell s- is Rangar? As you say that, Rangar, it comes to your turn. You can hear sounds of battle coming above you. It's probably about thirty feet up. Okay. Yep. Can I dash climb? Mm-hmm. So I could just. Crawl up it. Crawl yep. up the wall. Hope I don't fucking fall. So that's a natural 19, mate. So All right, yeah. So from things. the bottom, you hear this and you jump up to the first windowsill. You flip your body around, move off of the balcony. And as you get to the top, you only just grab onto the stone flooring. You look around and you can see the bed where Morvan's sitting, blood pouring down the side. And over the top of the bed, you can see Baron Barnabas and Gorgonbord just assailing this black roped person. Glad to see you boys have taken care of this. This assassin has been sent by message in the stars. We need to leave this place immediately. Do with him what you will. Have we got any answers yet? That That's all the answer I need. Let's cool. go. <laughs> uh, and at my action, I am going to 
load my longbow up and put an arrow between its eyes. So leaning on top of the wall where you are, I'll say that you angle your longbow up, put in an arrow as best that you can. I'll say because of the cover and the angle, you will have disadvantage on the shot. Ooh. I, rolled an, I rolled a natural 19 and a 2. So the arrow sails by and just shoots by the side of his head and you watch as he dodges out of the way and the arrow sticks into the wall. I don't want to destroy this place. Fuck it. Let's go with Earth Shatter right in front of him. <laughs> Your fury knows no bounds. Once per enrage, uh, you can slam the ground in front of you, thundering the earth in two. Each creature in a 15-foot cube originating from you must make a deck save on failure. A creature takes 2d8 bludgeoning damage and is knocked prone. Uh, on a success, the creature takes half damage and isn't knocked prone. He gets a natural 18 on his deck save, which will be a uh, 24. Okay, so you watch as this hammer removes itself from his neck and he overhead swings it, slams it onto the ground in this guy's direction. You can see 15-foot cube of building just begin to erupt. Roll your damage, please. I've got three on 2d8. At half damage. Oh my god. <laughs> but the biggest damage happens from the floor below. You watch as the floorboards begin to crack. The wall in the next room just smashes. The bed falls into each other and you all feel the floor that you're on lurch to one side and tip as the structural uh, integrity of this building is suddenly lost. You then watch as well as he plummets into the floor below. He is not now within five feet of you because he's fallen to the floor. You look down and you can see the rubble just smoking up and then the fire just moving around you. So he's downstairs now. I, I can jump through that hole. I can move through that. Sweet. I will jump down on him and just use the, uh, yeah, the Warhammer. Roll an athletic check to land. That'll be a nine. Did you roll with advantage? That would be a nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. You're so king you of re-rolling the same number, eh? <laughs> You do fall, but as you as you jump down, you kind of lose your footing on some of the rocky stability that is still uh, shifting around. You take four points of bludgeoning damage as you get that sharp feeling in your shins from jumping down too far. But at that, you watch as he's just sort of standing there in his three-point hero stance looking at you, the sort of smoke and dust billowing around him. You can get another attack on him. 14. 14 will miss, unfortunately. So as you oh, horizontally no. strike, you watch as he ducks out of the way and it looks like he's about to take off. That brings us to his turn. He'll disengage from you using his bonus action. Then you watch as he runs off into the rubble of the building and he will use hide as his action. You just see this tail wisp and disappear from your vision as this crackling of the fire moves around you. That brings us to Barnabas's turn. You watch as the, the floor just begins to crumble. Gorgonbort jumps down the hole. This smoke coming up of, from, the, from the wreckage. What do you do? I don't hesitate. I jump down the hole as well at the same time. Athletics check. And I... Uh... Upon noticing I can't see the tabaxi, I ask, where is he? And I I quite waltz down this hole. I sort of, you know, run against, I'm feeling very athletic, hit the wall, hit the wall, sort of coming down, legs spinning as I'm running down diagonally, and then take a nice graceful land onto the ground with an athletic check of 25. So very good. I just charge off and see if I can't find him. All right, roll a perception check. We need him dead. We're not going, uh, I yell up to Ranga. Are we getting out of town or are we taking this dead corpse to old mate? Uh, that's a fool. I don't think we're going to find many friends in this town after this. All right. As you say that, you bustle into the smoke, Barnabas, and you're surrounded by the wreckage, and it's starting to settle, and as you look around, you can't seem to see any sign of this individual. Morvan, you're up. You're lying on the bed just recently healed, firebolt still steaming from your hand. What do you do? I got a spell that says, uh, creatures are my choice. 
not that I can see. Would that be able to affect a hidden target? What's the spell? Slow. I'd say you'd have to see it to be able to manipulate the spell in that way. Mm -hmm. Did I notice what way Old Mate went? Probably. Actually, yeah, it all happened simultaneously. So you can see he, from where you are, he's sort of headed in a southeasterly direction. Yeah, well, basically, basically from where I'd say he ended up or where the tower disappeared or whatever, Arkas slow, it's... 40-foot cube uh, in that area. He gets a 17. Unfortunately, he is not affected. Yes, in that case, I'll uh, hop down as well. All right, so you jump down the hole, roll an athletics check for me, and also roll a dexterity save for the fire that's encroaching upon the bed. Is 17. Uh, it was athletics. 12. 12, so you take three points of damage as you fall down the hole and land pretty much on a rock, uh, but you awesome. get yourself up and stand. Sorry, I'm on two hit I points. He's stabbed in the chest. He's rolling rocks. <laughs> I imagine uh, there's this pointy rock that Morvin falls in the middle of his back. Yeah, exactly. on one side of the house. Uh, yeah, so you land down there. Your action being done, you do have a bonus action if you'd like to use it. No, nothing I can do. Okay, comes to Rengar's turn. Would I know the actual direction that the back is going? Probably not from your angle. Yep. The right. hole sort of is uh, on the other side of the bed. So if I was to just, because I am actually just perched on the ledge, if I was to just drop straight down, would that take any of my movement up if I'm just no. dropping, dropping into is position? Free. Okay, what do I need to roll for that? If you want to land successfully, an acrobatics check. Sure. That is a pretty good number. That'll mm -hmm. be a 18. 18 is fine. You jump cool. down on both feet. Oh, I want to use my movement. As you look through, you can immediately see ahead of you after you've dropped down, there is a door in front of you that leads into as, as a back way into the, the tap room of the bar. And you can look through the windows on that door to see your three allies standing there in the rubble, but you can cool. only just make them out because of the smoke. Can I detect magic? A wand of detect magic? Yeah, whatever the heck it is. So I'm going to use that to try and ascertain where he is. All right, so as you hold it up into the air, what's the radius on it? Uh, radius is 30 feet. Okay, so with that, you watch as this ping of blue energy moves through you, goes out the tip of the wand, and almost like a radar just pings through this whole area, and your eyes just turn immediately blue. Through the smoke like the predator, you can see crouching up on, on top of one of the rafters in the top floor of the building, you can see this tabaxi just sort of looking down, and this blue glow is surrounding the knife that he's using peering down at your three allies who are looking around unaware. So immediately I'll uh, elbow the glass pane that's near nearest window and I'll yell through, he's on the rafters. That is my action, unfortunately, for the detect magic. All right, so you dive through the window, do a roll and get back on your feet, bow wielded and pointing directly towards the yep, tabaxi um, Unfortunately, that ends my turn, but we all know where he is, where I've indicated with my bow. Good move, inspiration. Hey. Gorgonbort, you now know where he is. It is your turn. Javelin time. Going to uh, throw my javelin. All right. So you watch as Gorgon Bort just looks <laughs> in the direction of this creature or the general direction of this creature. And you watch as he does that thing where the hammer slips from holding it by the hilt to all the way down to the end of the the handle. And as it hits the floor, you watch as he slowly just takes a javelin out from his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> points with his finger and lines it up. Roll your attack, please. Not terrible. Um, 16. That's what you need. Oh, beautiful. It was a uh, it was a one plus two, so it's a three. <laughs> three. He'll use his reaction to halve that with uh, uncanny dodge, so he'll take one point of damage. <laughs> uh, he watches. He attempts to catch it, and as he goes to catch it, it only just nicks onto the side of his shoulder, 
and he pulls it out and you hear it clatter onto the floor and all three of you that are down there look and see this javelin fall from the smoke and just tumble onto the floor like a stick would if you uh, drop it from the roof. I, um, as soon as he pulls that out, I know that it hasn't done a lot. So I've go for my second, a second attack and going to throw another one. Same as before, you slowly <laughs> pull <one out> of, <laughs> uh, reach uh, over your shoulder and go for the same. That's a 14. That misses, unfortunately. So you watch as the next javelin goes into the smoke, disappears, and it doesn't come down. All right. Fucking got him. <laughs> bonus action, go fire strike. While arranging, you can use bonus action to swing through the air so violently. You, I don't think so. So you, you spell a fiery burst yeah, of energy. You can do it. Sweet. Creature must exceed the deck, deck save. It's the same as before uh, for the deck save. So... Oh, natural one. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Full damage. Nice. Now, is it the same thing again? 1d8 fire damage. Mm, I, on failure, they push 10 feet and knock prone so he falls off the rafter. Yep. Hey. That's yeah. oh, a one. You do push him 10 feet off of the rafter. You watch as this fire just erupts, causing more rubble across the roof as the wood palings begin to fall down. Full damage? He takes yeah. some fall damage. As you hear him thud, you watch as some of the wood and some of the smoke begin to rise. He's in it, hidden in his current position just based on the rubble, but um, he's taken a lot of damage this turn. Then brings us to his turn. From his hidden position, he will look towards the one that is wielding the massive hammer, and then behind him he will see his quarry that he'll go for you. Come at me, bro. <laughs> 16. I will use shield which will boost my AC to 18 for this. Yes. Well done. So what does this shield look like? You watch as this blade comes out through the smoke, and as it comes out through the smoke, you see it coming directly for you. It's just like involved in the smoke and then almost hits you. What does your shield look like and what do you do? So I see uh, my hand will come up and then just so like a clear force will just, it will illuminate an almost spark as if it was hitting a hot iron Mm -hmm. and then it just clatter and fall off. Very nice. Almost like Neo in the Matrix. You watch mm. as this blade just clatters off into the distance. His movement and bonus action is a mystery to you. He revealed himself, but then he will run off into the smoke again, and then he goes to hide. So my wand of detection, is he still pinging? So you know where okay, he is. I still know where he is. You so know where he is. I'm going to like visibly tell them where he is. Like He's over there, Barnabas. That he's just run across and adjacent to you and is hiding in one of the booths at the moment. You can see him crouched up in the corner on the leather seats. And he seems to be ready to strike again. Barnabas, he's in the booth. And I point to that booth specifically. I'll go there. Now you can have a straight attack roll because he's pointed out the exact location to you. Uh, 25 to hit. Hit. He looks shocked as this massive Goliath individual just walks straight through the smoke as it parts. Goes for the strike. <laughs> I just picture like a WWE and yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm picturing like Dwayne Johnson walking yeah, through the smoke with exactly. the Goliath mm. scraping on the ground. <laughs> the first one does seven. And I got really excited about knowing where he is, and I just absolutely just lobbed the second attack. I just <laughs> missed completely, like a like amateur over here sort of style. And as you go for the second strike, you watch as he ducks underneath the table, and your glaive literally slices half of the table off. And this cat's just sort of backing up into the corner of this area, looking like, really fucked up. In my fury, I used the butt of my weapon as well. Go for it. Which is a four, blunt damage. He'll use his uncanny reaction to halve it because it's been his turn, he gets his reaction back. Morvan, Baron Barnabas disappears into the smoke, but you also can look at Rengar and see that he's pointing this guy directly out towards you. Firebolt. Oh, not 20. Oh. Plus nine. Does a 29 hit? This, this is poetic. <laughs> it is poetic. <laughs> Roll your damage. So it's six, double to 12. Okay, so what does it look like as you kill this guy? Paint us a picture. 
I see he's backed up into a corner from a glaive. I see a heaving Goliath staring at him. I push my hand, put my hand out. This bolt of fire and somewhat a lot of annoyance just seems to seems to make the firebolt almost double in size. It just seems to pulse even harder from the rage and just shoots like a bullet straight through and smashes him. As it smashes him, you watch as it carves this hole straight through his stomach and chest and you watch as it's immediately cauterized and he just dies instantly at your feet, Barnabas. And at that as well, you look towards Morvan and it looks like some of the fire around him is just sort of sucking into his form and being pushed out of his hand as he's just exuding all his anger into this strike. You can see blood ripping down his face. You can see his nose just completely bruised and uh, ruined. You can see the front of his tunic is just covered in blood as well and he's just smoke rising around him. He's just heaving. You listen for a moment, the crackling fires around you. You hear a voice coming from upstairs that says, Brother, we're going to need you in here. And you know that to be the voice of... Braxton. Braxton. He called you from upstairs. And I'll just say to the boys, take all that you can from that tabaxi, gesturing to weaponry, anything that they can get from him. And I immediately run to Braxton. All right. As you make your way up through the hole, I'll get you to roll a athletics or acrobatics check. That is a 21. Easily you scale up the hole and you even dodge the fire as partial parts of the wall just continue to explode. You sort of move your hand above your face and a couple of wood palings hit it. You move into your room where you know Braxton to be and he's not there. And I yell, Braxton, where are you? This way, in the boys' room. And I run immediately to there. As you run towards Ren's room, you open the door and sitting in the corner, the first thing that you see is Ren cowering. You can see his hands out. You see Braxton sort of holding this boy in a comforting way and looking around him. You can see just flakes, what used to be two people floating to the floor. What what happened? Somebody came in here in the night, startled the boy. He says they were trying to kill him. He's very shaken. But he took care of him. You're a good lad. And he pats him on the back. And he stands him up and he's silent. Is Braxton notably scared of this boy or is he more in admiration? He's worried about his safety. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I, I look to... Oh, I look to Ren and I say, you did, you did the right thing here. I said, it will pass. And I say, we need to leave immediately, Braxton. And I gesture. I said, meet the guys downstairs. And we need to get as quickly as possible out of the city. Braxton makes his way past you, leaving Ren in the room with you. Ren stands up and looks to you and says, I couldn't help it. There was two of them. They had dark cloaks on. They were trying to kill me. Then I, I say to him, they were trying to kill Morvan too. And one has one has fallen also. Why would somebody want to kill me? <laughs> we're not sure. I haven't done yet. anything wrong. What did Message in the Stars say to you? And I've tried to try to get that information it's very important Ren that you speak the exact words he said to you roll a persuasion check 15 he asked me about where I came from I told him I didn't remember and then he asked me about my powers and he said he had a friend that had very similar powers to what I have he really wanted to know I told him I didn't know either and then he asked about Morvan he said why I was travelling with him and I said that he wanted to learn from me he said that 
He said that I should be careful. What's happening, Rengar? And Rengar just looks down and he says, we keep this information to ourselves for now, Ren. And I, I sort of put my arm around him and I, I sort of gesture. I say, jump on my back or you need to go. He will climb up onto your back and you piggyback him down onto the floor. Meanwhile, Gorgonbort, Barnabas and Morvin, you can all roll investigation checks or one of you can with advantage to mm-hmm. loot this body. The victim becomes the victor. Hey, Morvin. <laughs> Everybody gets inspiration. I, I already had it, but I will make note that. that uh, Twenty. No discernible or identifiable objects on him. You imagine as an assassin, it'd be pretty stupid for him to carry a calling card. You do find a knife that has this green vein that goes from hilt to tip, which is coated in your own blood. You can also see that he has three daggers and two of the holsters for two more daggers that seem to have been spent. So yeah, he's got these two holsters, one on either side of his legs that are empty, Um, two daggers in his boots, and then that one dagger that he had as well. As you look at him, you can see that he's got these two plaits that go down the side of his face and these yellow eyes that are now lifeless. As you look at him, you remember that he was the one that took the camels around the back for Message in the Stars earlier that night for you guys. I relay that he was the uh, Message in the Stars man. The dagger with the green vein is obviously magical. You can tell that just by looking at it. Without any sort of arcana check or any sort of spell, you don't know if the rest yeah. are magical at all. I'll grab all three and mm-hmm. we'll I'll look at him more later. With your check, I will say that you do notice that these holsters are incredibly well made. Uh, I guess I'll take the holsters and... They look very ornate in their structure and they have some tanning carvings through the leather that's just really intricate. Beyond the regular sheath for a weapon that you would usually see. Braxton gets downstairs. He looks to all of you and he says, If you wanted to wake us up, Gorgonbord, all you had to do was, you know, tap me on the shoulder. You really know how to bring a place down. Uh, if we're going to get splinters, we might as well, you know... Get all the splinters. Get all the splinters. <laughs> the boy's safe. He's with Rengar. He said that we have to get out of here. Are we thinking airship or... Uh, we're going to have to steal one if we do that. That sounds so fucking fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, uh, does, we, we don't know how to fly that. Well, I'm sure we could try. It'd be a you great can't experience. even ride a camel. <laughs> his, his head looks directly to the floor and he says, Yeah, it's probably going to be a stupid idea. <laughs> No, no, we're definitely stealing an airship. Oh, I'm just oh, saying, good. you're not driving. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, uh, I'll go uh, stealth out the port and I'll meet you there, shall I? Well, if we boost, like, sure we're not marked. Like, message in the stars and a assassin, but mm, as long no, as... Well, you don't know multiple yet, but, yeah. Well, mo- well okay. I, I would say at this stage, Brengar's... He walks past the bar and grabs the best bottle of scotch he can see there <laughs> and, uh, and takes a mighty swig out of it. I wouldn't go out the front door. And I, and I sort of gesture to the hole that's gaping in the back that we You use. watch as one of the rafters just cracks under the weight of the fire and the fire's still going in this area. It's this point where you look outside the window and you can see some of the patrons that would have been sleeping in this area have vacated and are in the streets looking in. They can't see anything in because of the smoke and the debris, but you watch as a little bit passes yeah. and you can see them. I would say too, I'd just say bring the body and I want to bury it in the room in rubble. So I'll say that Baron Barnabas, you're able to do that quite easily as yeah. the rest of you stealth at the back. Ren's taken care. There was another two assassins. I know, but they went to dust. You didn't know. 
Well, I would assume they went to dust if Ren killed They did indeed. And Ren sort of, I'd assume he's sort of uneasy with what he's done. Okay. So you guys exit at the back. Roll stealth checks. Please, I'm wearing a nat 20. It's a nat 20. Nice. The DMs, though. Uh, very good. 21. Uh, 11. 28. I'll go 20. Okay, so <laughs> as a group, the four of you, Ren on Rengar's back with Braxton already taken off. You guys make your way out of the hole, move around the building and hide behind one of the nearest structures. You can watch and see that some people are beginning to gather as the rest of this red candle begins to collapse in on itself in the fire. Can I roll perception to see if message in the stars is in the crowd or any roll other perception figures? Uh, that's 12. He's there. You can see him standing there comforting some of the people and taking them into various parts of the shelter. As you maneuver your way around the corner, you can see him move away from these individuals, stand in the middle of the street and look directly at this building and you can see the fire in his eyes as it's reflecting as he's just looking through the building, peering. Turned his back to it and um, yeah, says let's go. And you make your way off to the Skyship Dock to rendezvous with Braxton. That's it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. Thank you again for tuning in and guys, if you want to hang out with us outside of the times of our podcasting, make sure you go and check out our Instagram. That link is in the show notes below. Also, to our valued listeners, we would really appreciate it if you told a friend about D&D Valiant Odyssey. Word of mouth goes a really long way for podcasters like us, and we would greatly appreciate the service. Also, guys, for the next couple of weeks, we'll be running a special survey to collect data to improve our podcast for people like you. So if you want to help us grow and be a valued member of our community, please make sure you check out the link in the show notes below that is titled Valued Listener Survey. You can also find that link on our social media if you miss it. And it's 10 questions, 2 minutes, but the data that we collect from this will really go a long way to help us grow as a show, as a podcast, and as creators. So thank you in advance for doing that. We really do appreciate it. Make sure you tune in next week for the next installment of the Forgotten Fours arc in Season 2 of D&D Valiant Odyssey. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, remember to be valiant.